Welcome to the Life in the Stocks podcast, ladies and gentlemen. My name's Matt Stocks. I'm the host, and the show features unedited, in-depth, candid conversations with a wide range of musicians, actors, comedians, and creatives. If you're not already, be sure to subscribe to Life in the Stocks on your favorite podcast platform. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and indeed all major podcast platforms. Be sure to give me a follow on Facebook, Instagram, and TikTok as well, at MattStocksDJ. That way you can keep up to date with all of my live Q&A dates, my DJ performances, and of course, who's coming up on the show as well. But without further ado, let's crack on with the show, shall we? Here we go. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. So this is a bit of a different format to the show. Usually, whatever guest I have on, I'll sit down, I'll talk to them, and then after that interview takes place, I'll go off, sit down, think about the things that we've spoken about, record a little introduction, package it together, get it out there. But because time is very omnipresent and, uh, well, it's ticking, the clock is ticking right now, and my guest for today's episode is, uh, well, he's a repeat offender. This is the second time this man has been on the show. And I don't mind telling you, he's also the most downloaded and most listened to episode out of every single one I've ever done as well. So it makes sense to kick off round two with this man here today. And um, the reason we're talking is because tomorrow is a very special day. Is it not, Matthew Pritchard? It, yes, it definitely is, yeah. Do, do you day. feel like you're on the cusp of... A whole new chapter in your life. For anybody who doesn't know, today is the 18th of December and tomorrow, the 19th of December, at 10.40pm on BBC Wales, there is an hour-long feature-length documentary all about Matthew's life and his transformation from Wild Man to Iron Man. That is, of course, the name of the show as well, and it airs on the BBC tomorrow night. So we thought we'd sit down and talk about everything that's been going on this year with the live Sanchez shows, um, with your vegan cook channel and cookbook. But um, let's go to the Wild Man versus Iron Man documentary first. It airs tomorrow night. You've seen it, of course. Yeah. 
I've seen it. Um, you sent me a little private link, and it's thoroughly exciting. Yeah, I. It is exciting. It's quite interesting as well. It's quite emotional, <clears throat> and it's quite weird sitting there and and seeing your life story put together really well, may I say, by uh, everyone who's put it together in one tribe, uh, and to try and get somebody's life story in an hour. And I was with my fiance Kieran in Ireland, and uh, she's not she's not going to get to see it because she doesn't get BBC in Ireland. So um, I asked for a link, and they sent me a link, and I watched it with her. Just the two of you, that was the just, first time you saw it? Just the two of us. And I'll, I'll be honest, I, he'd have cried three times. I cried three times. We'll see if it was during, oh, we'll see if it was during the same moments. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was the same moment. Yeah, yeah she, she cried three times, and I was more or less, yeah, blubbering next to her as well. But at the same time, it, like it's well put together because it's not all sad. I mean, nobody's life is just completely sad. There's, there's really good times, there's fun times, there's funny things in it. Uh, they, it it's just... It's a roller coaster, and like Ronan Keaton said, life is a roller coaster. You just got to <laughs> ride. ride it. I need you. What well, I, I t- so my three moments that really kind of tugged at the heartstrings for me was first of all when you're talking about your uncle. Yes, that was the first one, um, and we'll talk about all these moments in a bit more yeah. detail in a bit. The second one was really when Dayton's talking about the um, the connection and the bond between yourself and Lemmy, and you really get a sense in that section of the documentary of how important he's been towards really kind of saving you and bringing you back from the brink. So that was the second part for me. Yeah. And then the third and final was just the end and just this kind of like well of optimism and positivity. Like it was a very happy kind of cry right at the end. But they were the three for me. Were they your three? Uh, yeah, I, th- I think you're right there. Definitely the uncle thing. Uh <clears throat> I mean, I, I, I mean, doing that interview, that interview where you see me sitting next to my bikes. Uh, I know they got interviewed for a few other things about that. I got interviewed about my my family, my my, well, my mum really when we were homeless, and I I was almost going then when I was talking about that because you know we really were on the on our asses, and like I said, my mother did. She fed us before she fed herself. And you know, and things like that go through your head because you realise how much they've gone through to get to where, how much you know, to have, for us to have a nice life that we've got today. I know that shit she went through to get there. So I, I almost went, I almost started crying at that, but I managed to keep it together somehow. But then as soon as he mentioned my uncle, that was it. Yeah, I just, um, I'll never forget my uh, my mother's, my mother's absolute oh, the noise that came down the phone when she got told that he died. And I was just like, I'll never forget it. It was just stuck in my head. So, yeah, that was, uh, yeah, it's quite emotional. Really. What happened, if you don't mind me asking, with him? I don't really want to go into it because I don't want okay. anyone else to know. But, yeah, yeah. yeah he, do you know what? All my family, when they see me, they uh, they all look, think, uh, they remind me of, like, they spot the similarities. My uncle's kids, every time they see me, they think, oh my God, it's, just, it's my dad. And it's the same with my mother, blah, blah, blah. So, um, yeah, he was. He was. A, I wish he was still alive, to be honest, because he was a proper lunatic. I mean, he used to party with uh, uh, what's, what's the thing? Blondie, Debbie Harry. Yeah, yeah the Blondie, the singer Blondie, and and uh, Rolling Stones. But there was there was loads of other things. But I'm not going to mention them on you. But um, I suppose that was his downfall, really, and that's what led to his death. But yeah, you you play with the sword, you die with the, by the sword. 
with us as seeing that goes. Isn't it? I guess that's what's happened to a lot of people that you've known and come across over the years in your extracurricular yeah. activities as well, isn't it? I mean, when we've been doing these live shows, there's clips that we use from Stuart Cable and Howard Marks and a lot of these notorious hellraisers. And, you know, I think that the, I guess the turnaround for you was you probably had that wake-up call one day where you realised, well, a lot of these people that I've enjoyed the company of are now no longer here, and if I don't make some changes, then I'm probably going to be six feet under with them. And you're completely right. And there's been a few times where I've I've, <clears throat> I've laid there in bed thinking, whew, I think I've taken this too far. I've, you know, I'm holding on, like, holding on to life. But maybe... Maybe it's just me playing tricks on me. That's just me. Have I taken this too far? Oh, God. Am I going to wake up? Stupid things just go through your head. But, yeah. I mean, I don't think I was that bad, to be honest. But All it takes is one mistake, isn't it? That one drink too many or that one dud pill or whatever. But I, I guess for the purposes of this and to understand the, the backstory to this documentary, because it airs tomorrow, mm. and so I'd like people to hear this and be fully geared up and ready to go in and on that emotional roller coaster that the film takes you on. Um Mental health is something we touched on in the last podcast, and you were very open then, and I think that was a lot of the uh, the draw and the appeal, if I can use that word, of that podcast for a lot of people is hearing you talk in such a candid way about you know these important issues. It's something I can relate to and something that's affected me in my life as well. So I wonder if we could go back and trace perhaps where the roots of your out-of-step feelings with the world first begin was it pre-sanchez i mean were you like a happy normal altogether person before all the kind of weirdness of that show perhaps pushed you to the edge of your sanity was there any sort of signs earlier looking back i was very i was such a relaxed person like really relaxed nothing fazed me nothing bothered me you know i was just so chilled i mean a bomb went off behind me most people wouldn't even know it's gone off do you know what i mean that's how that's how chilled i was and i think as life progressed, and with most people out there, you know, life gets harder because there's more responsibilities and all that kind of, st- all, all that kind of stuff. And, and I just think, you know, once you get, get you get handed that TV show uh, and a bank full of money and fame and 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 all all, all the things that come with it, uh, if you're not really mentally sane in the first place, which I clearly wasn't those kind of things are going to mess with your head. And I'll never I'll never forget, there was a guy called Ali Bar. I used to work with him in Double Overhead when I was a team manager, when I was Dayton's boss. <laughs> we always joke about that. I wasn't his <laughs> boss. Uh, but when I was uh, working, and Ali Bar, he's a skateboarder, you know, I still know him to this day. And he, he, I remember him saying to me, he goes, be careful with those drugs. He said, because I've seen a lot of my friends go downhill on them. And, you know, I was young at the time, and I thought, oh, yeah, whatever, I won't. What happened to me? But yeah, he was right. You know, they they do, they do. And, I, and I'm talking alcohol. I'm talking everything. You know, yeah. not just illegals. I'm just I'm talking the legal stuff as well. And, but yeah, and I think it just as soon as Sanchez, as soon as life started going a bit wrong. When you say wrong, define wrong. When well, I say go wrong. What, there was an interesting part in the documentary where you sort of started talking about how when the success of that show, you know, exploded in the way that it did, you weren't prepared for that. No. And I think there's even a line in it where you say, like, I guess I should have been happy because I had everything I wanted at that time. But that was really when I first started to feel truly unhappy. I was being given all this stuff and success was at my feet. But that was when I first started to feel like, oh, 
I'm not sure whether I enjoy this because of, I guess, that separation between who you are, this kind of quite shy, quiet dude, and then this, you know, party monster, Pritchard, that came out from that show. And then there's obviously an obligation on your part there to give the fans that character when they had engagements with you to put on the show to be that person. Yeah, I think, yeah, you're right, actually. I think the, the pressure of putting on that person every single day I walked out the door obviously took its toll because, like you said, I wasn't really that person. And to become that person needed a few beers and a few fucking lines or, or whatever it may be. And, um, yes, you saw, I don't know, you're sort of hiding. You're sort of hiding that shy person away because you've become something else on TV and, and people just... People would never think of you as being that shy person. So you you try and hide it. And I would think I was masking it behind alcohol and, and drugs. And it's not just that as well. It's that. There's the, well, there's that. And there's the, God knows how many false friends you make. I think that's the other thing with you. And that, again, comes across in the documentary is you're obviously a very generous person, very loyal, <clears throat> and presumably used to be very naive. And so when you were thrust into this world, you wanted to put on the show, as it were, and you would trust everybody because you're like, oh, you know, all of a sudden everybody wants to be my friend. This is great. I'm now the most popular guy around without realizing the gross nature of the way some people just want to be close to someone because of what they can get out of them or because of who they can meet through them. Or... Yeah, I do, it was. Yeah, you were completely right. The, my naivety. I, do you know, I sometimes wish I was still naive because... Because you don't have any worries then, do you? Yeah. Because <laughs> you don't... Cause you're it's so naive, it's just like, whoop, goes over your head. But now, I've grown up so much, I'd say, over the last five years. And when I say grown up, I don't mean like in a childish kind of way. I've learned so much about so many things, not just you know, other humans, just just about life in general, really. It sort of feels like I've had... Just, is it right to say a spiritual awakening? It is right, Matthew. Is that the is word? It, is that what you feel like you're I've, very much in the, the thrust of at the moment? Yeah, completely. 100%. Because I just I just see through so many things, though. But for when, the way they truly are. For the way they truly are, yeah. And, and, you know, and I think that's part of the veganism thing as well. I saw someone, well, yeah. What the hell am I doing drink, drinking cow's milk? It's not for me. And, you know, and, and, and I'm not here to preach. I'm just thinking that's one of the things that, you know, I just saw... So many things have come into my head. It's like the last five years, it's just mental. And I think it's almost like, uh, let's woke me up a little bit. And that's why I'm, I'm more happier as a person now than what I was when my head was just completely and utterly fried. <laughs> if that makes sense. <laughs> of course, yeah. And I think Ibiza was, I guess, maybe the, the peak of that insanity. I like I love Ibiza. I, you know, I... I I do genuinely love it. San Antonio, people I've met, the bars I go to, amazing. But then it's also full of absolute fucking idiots as well. <laughs> and mainly not the people who actually live there because yeah, the people yeah, who actually yeah. live there, they've grown up, they've, you know, they've got their heads on their shoulders. But yeah, every summer, just a complete load of divs come over there and sort of, yeah. Well, you know, that's Ibiza and those kind of places pull in those kind of people. And, you know, I was... I don't really want to go into it because there's a lot of people piss me off, and I don't, I don't really want to name all of them. But um, you know, it is what <laughs> it is. I learned, I learned, I learned, I learned from it. Yeah. And uh, you know, I've and, I, and I've come out the other side, so it's, it's all good. And, and I'm just glad that everyone's carrying on with everything in in Ibiza, and everyone's well, happy days, really. 
So for you, what was the initial driving force behind the the lifestyle change, if you want to call it that? And was exercise always something that had interested you in one form or another? And then what was the, the thrust that sent you into this triathlete Ironman challenge? Yeah. Um... Is part of it about pushing yourself in that same way that the skateboarding was and the Sanchez stunts were? I've just got a man. I've got. I've just got a really addictive personality, and when I get into something that I really like, I want to take that thing that I really like to the ultimate point of fact. I can't go any further. Like, yeah. And and obviously fighting something like the Ironman, when you realise you can do doubles, triples, and now I've actually signed up for ten and ten days for next year, um, it just becomes. It's it's like my new. It's like my new crack pipe, to be honest. Yeah. Yeah. And and. I wasn't going to do anything next year because I knew I've got a busy year coming up. I just couldn't help it. I thought, <laughs> I've got to do something. But I set myself uh, a 10, 10 IMN, the decker, a continuous decker, 10 IMN, 10 days, which is all the 10 swims in one, which is 38K, something like that. The bike, which is like 1,100 and something miles. And the run, which is about 250K or something. No, that's all within 350 hours. But... If I'm that busy next year and I can't train, I'm still going to give it a go. But um, if I don't fail, I won't beat myself up about it because, you know. Have you ever failed at any of these challenges that you've set for yourself? Yeah, and I failed Ironman Wales the first time I did it. You did? And yeah, because... Did that a... make you feel shit or you were kind of like, ah, oh, it's okay, I wasn't uh, it, ready? <clears throat> it did sort of make me feel shit, but then it was partly my fault because uh, I, well, I tried to do Ironman Wales with barely, barely no training. I did six months and I, I was last one I was living in Ibiza for six months. <laughs> I took my bike and everything over there. With the intention of... With the intention yeah. of training. And you try going, getting up at six o'clock in the morning in San Antonio and go cycling past the beaches and everyone's just gurning their tits off. And I'm just still like... Still going from the night before, yeah. yeah. Still, there's people everywhere all just like in such pickles and I'm on a bike going, this this, this, is, this, this is fucking wrong, isn't it? <laughs> Don't get me wrong. I mean, you go up the mountains, islands, but I repeat, it's beautiful. So it was, it was a nice place to go cycling. But um, yeah, that's why I failed Ironman Wales because I was in Ibiza and then I didn't realise how steep all the climbs were and how hard the Ironman actually was. So, uh, but you, 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 you live. You what's the word? You live and learn. That's it. Live and learn. Yep, <laughs> that's the word. And did you discover early on that exercise was a good way of you resetting your, you know, uh, crossed wires perhaps in your head and and making you feel like sane again and happy and. The exercise to me is it's what makes me completely hundred percent happy. Is it really a hundred percent? I know if I'm feeling down, but sometimes if you know, I'm, once you have mental health, you have you've have you've got it for the rest of your life. I don't care what anyone says. And if I don't do much, I know what I you know. Sometimes I get quite lazy and I, I sit downstairs. I don't do anything and eat bad food and stuff. And then you know, I can feel myself getting unhappy. And I know how to make myself happy. I just put myself in the gym. I just grab my bike, go out grab my trainers, or go for a run, or go for a swim, I come back a different person. Like I'm always smiling when I'm on my bike running or swimming. Because it's just, you know, endorphins are kicking in, I go into a daydream, I, when I daydream, they're positive daydreams, nothing negative. Uh, if there is somebody who's pissing me off, then I turn that negative into a positive because I'm using all my energy on the bike or running and taking out on that rather than them rather than using my, <laughs> rather than using my fist which is the wrong way of doing it but uh i wish that that yeah. was a 
and maybe it is now maybe it's going more that way but i wish that was something that was a prescribed form of treatment for people who were feeling unwell and i know it's not a cure because if you have a chemical imbalance in your brain you know the fact that you're just going to go out and get some fresh air isn't necessarily going to reset that but as you say it is going to massively switch your perspective and your mood and it's going to have a lasting positive impact isn't it on a day-to-day person's life yeah i mean we're all, we're all different yeah but i know that a lot of people i spoke to with mental health and they all said they all said the same they go to the gym for an hour and they come up with a different person yeah and it makes them so much happier and it's just it works for me so i'm happy and i know what to do if i feel down if i feel shit, go and do some exercise and i feel brilliant there you go it's as easy as one two three and your dog yeah um he's a great little cameo character in the documentary i know you were sort of interacting with people online and they were saying is lemmy going to be in the documentary and you were like for everybody asking don't worry he's in there uh tell me about well i guess your relationship and history with animals first of all yeah, I, I I was brought up with animals. I was brought up with we used to have Alsatians and my grandpa used to show take them to shows and stuff. <clears throat> so I was brought up with dogs from an early age and um I just I just love dogs. But you know, when I was in Satchis I couldn't really I couldn't really have a dog so it's, unf- it's unfair, you know, the dog needs attention. And I wasn't around to give it attention, so my ex ex girlfriend we've got a a a, a Sharpie. And I always wanted wanted to get a dog, and uh, we got a Sharpie, and obviously relationship broke up. The dog went with there, I was gutted, and I actually... That's f- tough, isn't it? That's like a, a custody situation. Yeah, but you know what? It? I was so, My head was so in a cloud <coughs> at the time. I was so fucking screwed up on just touring, and just, my head was just in full party mode. It didn't really hit me. I mean, I remember the day she left, and I was just like dating eight neighbors outside in the van going come on we go on tour and she was going and that's what, that's what i said goodbye to her i was like well man there's no easy way out that's what, what a good way to say goodbye to your missus at the time so she went up the dog and it didn't really sink in but then i remember i got a phone call to say he died he had a brain hemorrhage or she had a brain hemorrhage tavana called her. it was welsh for pub and uh i cried my eyes out i literally cried my eyes out and i phoned Kira, I'm my fiance now, and she just said, "Yeah." She says, "What's wrong? What's wrong?" I said, "Oh, my dog." Even though I'd seen it for ages, and she was, "Oh, I don't think she could understand why I was crying so much about a dog," <clears throat> because obviously she she's never had a dog and she's scared of dogs. She's not anymore because of Lemmy. I know. Yeah, and I, I just wanted a dog, and then I just had to wait for that moment where I had enough time to spend with it. So it wouldn't be on its own and at the same time i wanted a dog so i'd go training with it so i did some research and and spring of spaniels spring of spaniels were and they, they look amazing anyway so i went and got lemmy and it's most probably one of the best things i've ever done he just he runs with me he comes swimming with me he comes to work with me if I could take him clubbing and go, I'd take him clubbing. I honestly would. He does absolutely sleeps in the bed with me. When Kira comes round, oh, how does she feel about that? Oh, Kira, Kira loves. Kira absolutely <laughs> loves now. Yeah, she's. You know, Kira's really scared of dogs. I think the good, th- the good thing about Lemmy is really turned her, uh, her feelings about dogs. She she loves Lemmy, 
I put that woman in bed. Lammy's like, whoa, who the hell is she? She's <laughs> yeah, in my yeah. bed space. <laughs> so we jump, he literally jumps up, squeezes in between the two of us, lays on his back with his legs in the air and sort of looks at us in the corner of his eye. I was about to say, don't you dare, check me out. <laughs> but yeah, he's, he's, Lemmy's, Lemmy's So he, turn, he really turned your life around? Yeah, he just makes me really happy. Yeah. You know, I live on my own. I'm a Kikila lives in Dublin. Yeah. And I live here on my own. And... You know, when you're on your own and you're left with your own thoughts, when you've got a messed up head like I have, it's not nice. But once you've got Lemmy with you, you know, I'll go for a walk with him, I'll go up the mountain, or we'll do do something, especially in the summertime when the nights are long and <clears throat> just, we just do stuff. And if, if not, if I've got a hangover or whatever, you just, I lay in bed and he just crutches up into me. Yeah. We have a crutch. And he pretty much did. Did he do the entire running part of the triathlon in the documentary with you? Because you do the swimming first, then the cycling, and then you're in the caravan. And I remember there's this really beautiful little scene when you say, oh, the main thing about today is just getting reunited with Lemmy. Yeah. And then he runs up and you see him. And then from then on, it seems like in every little shot where you're running across the Welsh hills or down the road or whatever, he's there did he? <laughs> all the way with you. I couldn't wait to. Well, I, I knew that what day he was turning up and in my head, that's what just kept me trucking. He's just like, no, Lemmy's coming tomorrow or whatever. He's coming tomorrow. And then that day he'd come and we're like, no way, Lemmy's, I just can't wait to see him. Because I know when he sees me, he just goes, wow, he just goes bonkers. Because he's a Spaniel, pisses everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> from excitement. And uh, yeah, I, I, I just seen him from a distance. It was just, oh, it was ace. And he just, Spaniels love, if anyone out there doesn't know, but Spaniels absolutely love being outside. And they're full of energy. And he just loved it. He was up and down fields. Was he getting tired at all? Um, towards the end, he was pretty tired, yeah. But um, he was fine. Yeah? Yeah, he was cool. He's as fit as a fiddle, isn't he? He was eating. Yeah. Oh, God, he didn't. I mean, I mean he he's not really a big eater. But after every day we of running, well, he did 194 miles, something like that he did Fuck running. But So that's why, he, obviously, when you do that much exercise, you need food. Yeah, yeah. So he was just eating like a beast. Well, that brings <laughs> us to the dietary element of everything that's been going on in your life and also what's going to be happening from, well, tomorrow onwards in this exciting new chapter of your career. Um, did the veganism go hand in hand with the exercise and the healthy living, or was that more from a love of animals point of view or a bit of both? Um, or the environmental element as well? Because I guess they're the sort of three key reasons why anybody would turn vegan, right? Is either you want to do your bit for the environment, you love animals and you don't want to hurt them, or you just think maybe I could live a better diet without so much, you know, fatty meats. Yeah, going back to that spiritual awakening thing again, it's just, I, do, I absolutely love animals. And it just... It just made sense. It just dawned on me. I said, well, if I love animals, what's the difference between a cat, a dog, and a pig, and a lamb, yeah. and a cow? And I was just like, well, and, you know, this, because I used to, you know, I was one of those people. I used to take the piss out of vegans. So, you know, I, like most people are, I didn't, I didn't understand it. I was like, oh, what were you doing? But then I started doing research because a lot of insurance athletes are, are vegans, and I, I wanted to know why. So I did a few read a few interviews and stuff online and and it sort of made sense to me uh obviously being older a little bit wiser not so much nothing so naive anymore and i was just reading into these things and it was it was lodging into my head and, and it started making sense and i watched conspiracy there was, there was a documentary conspiracy i thought oh, i'll have watched that oh my god that completely that he was a game changer for me it is a game changer isn't it oh i, I think was... if you watch that and can still 
happily eat meat, then that's fair enough. But I do feel like people would gain a lot from just watching programs like that and just informing themselves. Yeah. And I'm one of those people, I'm sure you're the same. If after everybody knows the kind of truths and they still want to eat it, that's fine by them because that's their choice. But what I don't like is this sort of blind ignorance. Yeah. Because if Laziness. you... Yeah, isn't yeah. it? Because I watched it and that changed my whole outlook. And, you know, I still eat meat occasionally. I'll have some turkey on Christmas and I'm not fully fledged veggie or vegan. But that left a mark on me. And now when I eat meat, I do it with a sense of guilt because okay. I know where it's come from. And that, and that's exactly what coach. That's exactly what coach Benicio did. I, to me, I just thought veganism was people who don't eat meat, dairy, and they were hippies. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, looking looking back now, hippies know exactly what they're talking about, and they have done for years. Yeah, uh, we've just been, we haven't been told any of this thing or any of these things. And thanks to social media, it's brought all this all the truths to our faces and, and, and our ears and, and our eyes. And it's just, oh, man, it's insane. I just can't believe how much water it takes to make a burger. But 660 gallons of water to make a burger. And water is, like, there's a lot of countries <laughs> struggling to get water. And they're cutting down rainforest by God, just to feed animals, to feed us. It's just insane. It, that is the key the word. Envi- the insane. environmental thing as well. It's just, it's just wrecking our planet. And the, the, you know, it, I'm I'm sort of my veganism I, a little bit. Obviously, it, it, it all makes sense to me. But yeah. The main thing for me is is, is the animals, because I, you know, I just I could not cut, I couldn't kill an animal, so why should I be allowed to eat its meat, especially packaged nicely, you know, yeah, in a nice package in a supermarket. I mean, that's just. But like you said, if you can if you can kill and eat your meat, then so be it. But I can't, so uh, I'm not going to eat the meat either. Do you find it annoying that people find it hard to get their head around this idea that a person can change? Because I do feel like just through certain experiences in my own life that if you're a certain way when you're younger, people then find it in some cases impossible. It depends on each individual's you know, ability to see the world for the way it is, but do you encounter people unable to accept the changes in you and they just want the old Pritchard and does that grate on you? Does that upset you? Does it anger you? Do you just not care? Do you not understand yeah. what I'm trying to yeah. say? They're like, what? That guy, the guy that did all that is now a bloody yeah. athlete, yeah. vegan, not interested. I prefer the old guy. Where's he? I mean, what's your response to like, not I've criticism a, like that, yeah, but I, a reaction I've, like that? I've had a lot of that online, to be honest. Not, not a lot, but it has been there. And... You know, it, it used to make me slightly angry, I'll be honest. But um, now I just, I just can't be asked. I just, honestly, I just can't be asked to argue with people anymore. <clears throat> I'll just leave. If they go in, I just leave them a little heart emoji. And yeah, just, yeah, I yeah. just leave it. Yeah. Because I'm not, I'm not going to jump. Because there's, there's no point arguing with somebody who doesn't want to know about veganism anyway. Yeah, yeah. Because you're, you're just going to wind him up and he's going to wind you up. So what's the point? You just you've just wasted so much energy and time of your life when you could be out. I could be out with Lemmy doing something more positive. So I, I I've just yeah I've just learned to sort of switch it off. Maybe one or two people I'll I'll get back to if they're asking a a valid question. Yeah. Uh, but if you're gonna go if you're gonna go in, you're well, going was... in hard. You're not gonna get a you're not gonna get a response off me anymore. It was funny when we were on tour, and I think it was in Newcastle oh. and Glasgow. <laughs> 
And, you know, I'm not stereotyping or generalizing, but it does seem to be the case that veganism is perhaps less widely accepted the more north you go. And uh, there was genuine boos in the room, wasn't there, when we even mentioned the V word? People well, you mentioned, boo. I think we were in Newcastle. And this is no disrespect to any of the Newcastle fans. Right? No, because that was a good show. Yeah, it was a really good show. And, <laughs> and thank you all for coming. But um, I think Matt mentioned, because uh, somebody said, what are you guys doing now? And Matt said, oh, he's got a, he's got a vegan show on uh, BBC. And the whole crowd just went, boo. And I just sat there and went, oh. hey. <laughs> I just couldn't believe it. And anyway, I just let it go over my head a little bit. Well, I didn't let it go over my head because it sort of simmered in <laughs> my head a bit going, how can you all boo that? Just, you know. I saw an interesting comment. I think it was on your Instagram. Uh, a girl said, why would his dietary choices affect your opinion of him? Because some guy went, I used to like you. And she was like, well, how does his diet affect your opinion well, of him? The thing is, if somebody says I've gone to Jenny Craig to do weight loss, oh, oh well done. Yeah. I'm doing the, the keto diet. Oh, do you? Oh, how do you do that then? I'm doing the, the, the Atkins diet. All right. Everyone's really interested. We said, I'm doing the vegan diet. Well, what? What do I, well, what's wrong? I mean, fuck, dude. I just chose not to eat fucking animals and fucking dairy. Chill out. I have like, a theory honestly, on it. I don't go around telling you stop fucking eating steak. I mean, I did do, I'll admit that on socials, I did one or two things a while ago. One really preaching. I just thought it'd be a nice little, little bit of education for a few people who, who might want to make them think a bit. And I just stopped doing that now because it's just... <laughs> The onslaught is unreal, but I think... It extends further than just the vegan meat argument. And I feel like we're in a time at the moment where people don't like being told what they can and can't say or do. And I respect that because I think the minute you start trying to tell someone the way to live their life, that for me is fascism. And so I can understand why people... It's like a, a trigger word for them, isn't it, vegan? As soon as they hear it, they go, don't come in here and tell me that I can't <laughs> enjoy my steak. And you go, well, hold on, man. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is, try a week without it and see how you get on. Yeah. And veganery has become this great new thing, hasn't well, it? Well, veganery now is... I did an interview with them last week, and that's starting now soon. And last year, they had 200,000 subscribers for veganery. And apparently, uh, a big percentage of them are still vegan to this day mm -hmm. from doing veganery. So I think this, this January now coming up, it's going to be even bigger again. And... Luckily, my book comes out in time for veganery, so anyone out there who wants... God, this is a typical plug point. Well, no, this, is, <laughs> this, this, is, is, this is a plug podcast, my friend. But if uh, you know, if, if anyone out there is thinking of going to doing veganery, you can buy my book on Amazon, pre-order it. Uh, it's called Dirty Vegan. Dirty, Matty Pritchard is Dirty Vegan, and there's loads of recipes in there to help you um, get through veganery. And fingers crossed, you can, if you do enjoy it, you can carry on, carry on with your veganism. And uh, help, save, help, help save some animals. I found, just because I love cooking, um, I just fucking love cooking with vegetables. The colours, the flavours, the textures that you get from just frying and sizzling all these different beautiful vegetables together, for me, is a much more rewarding cooking and eating experience than when you have meat. Vegetables are so much more versatile. They're so much more exciting. Um, they're obviously jam-packed with nutrition. And I don't know, there's just something cool about feeling something that you know has come from the ground, throwing it in a pan with a few other, you know, saucy little vegetables. <laughs> well, I was, love it. I love cooking with veg. Yeah, it's, it's, it's great. I just, you know, those veg were put there for a reason for us to eat. Yep. That's our food. That's what that's where we get our nutrients from. I do, yeah. You are right. I do love vegetables. They're, they're 
so tasty. I've got this thing for um, I just think of broccoli at the moment, and, and, and it's, the, it's the sprout season. <laughs> every every time this uh, Christmas comes every year, I walk into the shop supermarket and I see that the first bunch of sprouts. They get a little bit excited. They are going yeah. straight in my basket. <laughs> yeah, Whew. I don't get turned on by women anymore. I get turned on by <laughs> sprouts, baby. Bloody vegan. Oh. <laughs> so let's talk about the show because you've got a show and a book going hand in hand. Um, the book, as you say, is out on de- de- uh, December 27th. Is that correct? Yes. Yeah. Um, but you've got a show as well launching on January the 2nd. That's again on BBC Wales, but anybody outside of Wales can watch it on the iPlayer. And what I loved about the show, I've seen episode one, in no way is it preachy. There's a tiny element of education, but it's certainly not here you go. And it's definitely not trying to convert anyone. Um, episode one is you and a female <clears throat> Welsh rugby team. And you spend some time training with the girls. And there's for any of the old school Sanchez fans out there, there's an element of kind of that pritch that we know and love. Like you're on your skateboard, you're being pushed off things, you're getting tackled by the girls. So there's that kind of playful nod to your past, isn't there? Yeah. And then within the format of the show, you're basically like, I'm not going to try and convert you. But what I will do is cook a big vegan meal for the team the day before a big match and just see how you find it as, you know, a source of the nutrition that you as athletes need. And a lot of them are like, well, you haven't exactly turned us, but we did enjoy it, fair play. And that's kind of as far as it goes, isn't it? So it's basically just like dangling it in front of them, giving them a sample, and then... Yeah, we just, we just, wanted, to, we just wanted to change that um, the format of cooking yep. and bring a completely new, different format to cook, cookery show. And I think, you know, I think One Tribe really did... Uh, succeed because I'm, I'm really happy with it and like you said it brings an it brings in an element of like myself sanchez uh, veganism education plenty of comedy in there there as is well. there's a lot of cheeky one-liners and there's a bit, it's like it's there's fun a bit of carry it? on as well there's a there bit is of definitely. sexual innuendo as well <laughs> and it, it only gets worse as they go along <laughs> honestly <it>? trust <laughs> me because like trying to trying to get out some of the pieces of the camera <laughs> When we were doing those innuendos, oh man, the, the, if they had an off-takes thing, you'd be crying. Cause we were, I was just in tears. But for me, filming that was, it was a massive learning curve because, you know, you come from time, I'm just used to filming Sanchez, going into a field, battering one another. So it was just like going into meeting people and, and talking to others about, it was just a completely, totally different new thing to me. And, uh, and extremely rewarding, I imagine. Yeah, extremely rewarding, and and I really enjoyed doing it. And and when I got to about the third or fourth show, I I could feel myself really getting into the flow of doing. Obviously, because I knew what I got used to doing, what I was doing. Lines uh, to camera, and lines things like to that, pieces and, to camera. Oh yeah. Christ, it took me so long to, <laughs> to do some pieces to camera. I had so much, so many lines to take into my head, but I, you know, there's so much work that goes on behind camera behind the scenes that I'd have the script in the morning and I thought oh man you can't then none of that is going into my head before we start before filming. lunchtime yeah so I just thought let's pick it up and then I found myself sort of my brain started taking it in then well assumedly you'd never quite done anything like that before you know even in Sanchez there was never really that even basic jackass level of I'm Matthew Pritchard and welcome to the do you know what I mean there was none of that no. you were never looking at the camera and I was never ba- scripted lines to be delivered. I was basically a TV. I was a TV presenter. Yeah, and that's exactly what I had to present a TV, a, a TV cooking show. And you get the voiceovers as well, which you know what? I've always said to you, you need to get into that because your voice is so good. And a big part of the show is, as a lot of TV shows are, they're threaded together by these 
post-production voiceover insert that tie the whole story together. And that's when they said they had to do the voiceover. I, I was so stoked. Oh, what I did. Out of everything, out of everything I did for that uh, vegan, uh, vegan, uh, for dirty vegan, going into the VO and locking myself in a room with just uh, headphones on was I loved it. Yeah, and there's something about voiceovers. I just, I just absolutely love it. I was sort of in my little, my little comfort place. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> in that room, I've always said it. You know yeah. what you should look into next is voicing some sort of children's cartoon character. Oh, I can see you doing. Oh, that. right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've just spoken twenty fireworks. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and what I loved about the process of filming is you'd send me and Dayton pictures almost on a daily basis of the stuff that you were doing. And I was like, I wouldn't even question it, but I was like, why is he dressed like a farmer here? Like, <laughs> you, you can't even put together the pieces of the puzzle. And then I saw it and I was like, oh, it makes complete sense. Because obviously what I love what they've done is they haven't tried to chisel or change you in any way. They've taken who you are, put you in this environment and just gone, go. Yeah, and it's quite funny because when we, the first, because we... Every single person involved in Dirty Vegan, it was a brand new thing to them, brand new uh, format, everything. You know, they've never worked It's the first ever vegan cooking show on the BBC, right? It is, yeah, for, yeah which is <laughs> weird. And especially when people are like, oh, right, is it? Oh, quite, who's, who's presented it? Oh, Pritchard from Sanchez. Hey, <laughs> you are. That's, that's almost like a selling point in itself. But we were... There was, they sort of... We went in filming, and we were sort of going in filming blind. And the format of the show changed quite a bit when they realised that I think they wanted me to try and do something which I wasn't really quite comfortable with and then they realised that I was better just being myself yeah and then it sort of it clicked then because when they got they took it back they all went obviously had meetings and stuff well this is this is going to be better if he just does it like like this as he would in that as situation he would, yeah. yeah and then that's when I felt completely comfortable and I think that's when they were happy as well because the show started making sense and everything started coming together quite nicely. It's pretty mad to have three such huge <clears throat> things all at once. Um, and we'll talk about the live shows that we've been doing in a bit as well, but it's it's been an insane year, isn't it? And obviously next year's yeah. going to be twice, three times as busy. Incredibly exciting. Um, did you have like a stockpile of recipes for the book that you've been working on for a long time ready to go? Or was that just a, okay... Here's the here's the wild man and the cooking show deal. The book's got to complement these things. I need to write this now. Let's go. It, like you said, it was it has been a crazy year, and let's see. In five months, we turned over a book, uh, a documentary, and four episode series. Now, for anyone out there who doesn't know how long it takes to even just film one episode, it's 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 mental. My life my life literally went from zero to hero. And it it was I really really did enjoy it. Uh, long, very long hours, but you know, I, you know, I didn't mind because it was enjoyable and I enjoyed what I was doing. So, but with the book, I was trying to write a book whilst filming. I'd, I'd like start filming at seven in the morning, and I'd finish at eleven in the night, and I'd be back again. And I'm like, how oh, can I write a book? Like, oh. so I had a load of recipes from my YouTube show. Yeah. So I gathered a load of them recipes, and but I don't cook with measurements. I just use my head because I know. And then they were like, "Oh, now you're doing cookbook. You, these people don't know how to cook." So 
you need all the measurements. And we should point out that you are a trained chef as well at this point. <coughs> yeah, well, I went to I went so to college, college for two years in... straight after school. So yeah. I mean, don't, I haven't done it for a very long time, so I'm learning myself like, all over again as well, which is another good thing about doing vegan. I learned a lot whilst filming it. Uh, so I just got all them kind of ingredients that I did for the YouTube show. And I started doing that, and I think I got a lot of the weights wrong and stuff, because <laughs> there's all this, like, I'm working in old school yeah, measurements, yeah, 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 and then yeah, they're yeah. all working, I'm like, ah, my head was going crazy, but luckily, Dale, my agent, manager, and, and the owner of uh, One Tribe, she's, you know, she's got, a, she's got so much experience in this industry, many contacts and you know she helped a great deal and she spoke to rachel lavelle which is the executive producer's wife luke and she used to work for riverford and riverford's an organic vegetable company which i used to get my organic veg off they used to drop it off the door like they used to do the milkman back in the day but i stopped because i was always away and i was coming back to lose veg on my front front door all rotten and rotten. unused yeah so i stopped but then she used to work for them i was like no way she said i used to get my veg off them all right yeah she says oh i've just been um i've just left so i'm starting to do something else but she worked with the chef from riverford rob and he had about the book and stuff and all and he's like oh you so he was like the ghostwriter to the book. Like a consultant, yeah. yeah. Yeah, so he sort of helped with his recipes, put my recipes, we all sort of, Rachel did, I, I, you know, I had to do a lot of writing for her, Rachel sort of tidy it up a little bit with my grammar and spelling. She she did so much for that book. She worked her ass off fair play. So while I was working my ass off filming, she was doing the back stuff. And then when I got in and I had time, I put one, like I just do a recipe at a time or do a little bit of writing. Did you have so a book in here at all? I have, yes, downstairs. Uh, off the top of your head, can you think of like one or two recipes that are your favourites for anybody listening well, to one, this if they pick it up as I a mean, this, veganuary uh, present for their <clears throat> partner? I always People always ask me this question. What's your favourite recipe? What's, what's your favourite dish? And it, uh, it's always chilli. Is it? I just, it's, I learned it off my mother. That's uh, often the case. Christian DJ Barbecue I had on, so many of his old barbecue recipes are, you know, from within his <laughs> sorry that's the cabbage uh you know that's the way in that people learn to cook from their parents from their grandparents it's a tradition which has been passed down for generations and hopefully long may that continue yeah because every time my mother made chili in the house when we were younger i was like yes i could smell it as i come back from school and I sh- you got it coming showed- out both ends of them. <laughs> yeah, she showed me how to make it and i just i never forgot and i sort of had my little bitch to it as i got older and obviously becoming vegan I, I changed the mince for beans so I'd have like a four or five so you bean don't do like chili. a corn mince you do a five bean chilli style thing. yeah corn yeah. mince yeah. has got egg in it so oh has it yeah right right that. but you can get vegan that is the hardest thing mince. about going vegan I think is stuff that you never even thought had any kind of like oh. animal extract or whatever in because I did vegan and I remember I was eating wine gums one day and my mate was like, well, you know that they've got, like, gelatin, gelatin. in. And I was like, oh, for fuck's sake. But you can get... And stuff like that, you, you just would never even think, you know, unless you're clued up. And if, you, if you've seen gelatin being made, you wouldn't eat another wine gum again. Really? Just, oh, That's God. some of the worst, isn't Boop. it? But, um, yeah, ch- chili. Chili. That, That's that. your go-to. Chili. And in the summer, there's no, I can't think of anything better than just walking into the supermarket. It's a nice spring day. The sun's shining. It's a little bit of warmth in the air. You know summer's on the way, and you walk in. And you see all that lovely, fresh summer 
vegetables and stuff all there tomato nice smelly tomatoes yeah uh, spring onions i learned i learned oh. from episode one of dirty vegan you're a big fan of tomatoes you're oh. losing your shit when they brought out the tomatoes honestly i lose the pot with tomatoes <laughs> but i don't like the cheap ones the cheap watery ones with yeah, no flavor yeah. they've got to be when I go in on tomatoes, I go in. I go in like a person goes in on fine wine. I go for the best bad boys. <laughs> I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom. Like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The filming experience of Wild Man to Wild Man, the challenge element of that, the way the documentary works is as you go through the challenge, it's then sort of intercut with interviews with your family, friends, and basically tells the story of your life as the challenge unfolds um what was the experience of the challenge with the film crew like for you because obviously you're used to these kind of crazy physical endurance tests but this is a whole other beast because you've got this team around you following you the whole time and i imagine you kind of wanted just a bit of time on your own a lot of the time when you're doing stuff like that to decompress and whereas you didn't have that i imagine at all i mean the aim for me what what in the perfect world for me i i would have been I w- w- would have wanted to do that challenge non-stop, continuous. And I think that's sort of the idea we had. But then it's just, you just can't do that with the film crew. You know, I wanted it. I wanted them to get the best footage. They wanted to get the best footage. I had 14 days to do it in. And, you know, I, to be honest, like, I was really happy with the swim. It was it was, it was tough. Another first, after doing 18 miles, I think it was, in one go, I was wrecked. And then going in, you'll see when you watch it tomorrow night. And it was so cold. And just, you know, it's like I said, you see, you see me jumping in and, and swimming and cycling and stuff, but little does anyone know how much hard work goes into just making those things happen in the office. Oh, I was just so blown away. But, the, the, like, the work they put in, they're non-stop. 
following just, you in boats and cars and no like just stuff that they do in the office to be able to use that boat the health and safety of this the last you need that to sign off you need this you need this and i was just like oh my god i was spinning out i had to get a, i had to get out because i don't <laughs> yeah, i can't handle that kind yeah, of stuff yeah, but yeah. the crew were amazing and the crew like like the crew that i was with they've done lots of adventure stuff before so there was no moaning which is amazing. There was no like, yeah. If you're the guy in was, that freezing no, cold sea, you don't want some guy in a boat going. Oh, I'm cold. Exactly. So there was none of these like out of touch London media types. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Boom! <laughs> shots fired. Hey, sorry, London. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, but yeah, they were they were proper nalas as well. Yeah, you know, yeah, they, yeah. They never mung once. Of course, they just they were on it, and they just if something went wrong, nobody panicked. As you know, it got sorted. And yeah, we and fair play Fran as well. She's she used to, well. She's got a, she was um, a runner. You now she's she's PA and everything, and uh, works with Dale in the office. And she was she was on that. A new little girl like she full on sleeping in the cold. Like Where most, were you all sleeping? Most, in, most, a ca- in a caravan women, or what? They, or in a tent? Or? They were in a tent and I was in a they caravan. In, right. She was in a tent. And she's like, most women were like, I'm not sleeping in there. She didn't give a shit. <laughs> she'd wake up in the morning, all right, you're all ready to go. Bloody hell, fair play. Go on, Fran. I'll see you tomorrow night. <laughs> so tomorrow night's your Christmas party with all the crew yeah. and then you're going to watch it the following morning over brunch. Um, yeah. Will it be the first time you've all watched it together? Have you only watched it the once with you and Kira? together yeah i've watched it myself on my own just to see if there was anything that i wanted didn't want in it or yeah 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 i don't to be honest with you i don't really like watching myself i just my voice makes me cringe or listening to myself (laughs) but um yeah i'm 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 really happy with it and it's going to be the first time for all was my first work to do with one tribe and it's been quite nice working with them all year as well well since summertime so it's going to be fun. Black tie event tomorrow night, and then wake up. We're having a brunch in Dale and Owen's house, which is the offices as well. Watching Well Man, Why Man, and then uh, yeah, all good. What's your predictions? You must have been going through a lot of stuff in your head in terms of how this is going to go over, how people are going to react. Do you try and just block that out and let it just do its thing? Um. Do you hope it's going to inspire and set the record straight with the sort of because you say in a few times in the documentary like this now is who I am I'm going back to who I am I've kind of gone through the Pritchard chaotic wilderness years of my life and this now is me as you've said today in this chat like a spiritual awakening finding myself again do you hope that that will translate and people will go what an inspirational dude I hope so I mean I I mean firstly it's just telling my story and I tell it as it is. I'm not. There's no. There's no bullshit. You know. I'm straight up. I'm telling the truth. That's how it is. And if people, because I can imagine, there's a lot of people in this world who've gone down a, a dark path. And it's. And I, I know that I've. Because a lot of people send me messages on Instagram and stuff saying, you know, I mean, what do I do to sort my life out? And it's just like, you know, you've just got to, you just got to tell yourself, I've got a problem. I need to sort it out and take action. Uh, and hopefully. They will see this documentary tomorrow night, and a lot of people make a lot of people think, and inspire a lot of people as well. Because if they can see me doing something as ridiculous as a six hundred sixty-three mile triathlon, you know, just a little triathlon to them would be good. But that could be the start of other things. And you were the first person in human history, right, to complete the what's it called, the circumferal 
circumnavigational. There we are. Uh, well, you did English in school. <laughs> if you're posh all of a sudden. <laughs> and you were the first yeah. dude ever to do that. First Run, one, swim yeah, and first, cycle around the width of Wales. Yeah, first one to do it. It's quite... Uh, because nobody else is mad enough to try. <laughs> well, we'll probably no. Don't, don't you add another? I don't want to give too much away, but don't you add another, like stretch, whilst the challenge is happening as well? Don't you go? Oh, we'll just add that bit as well. I mean, I'll I'll, I'll say no because I didn't really say it properly in the in the thing. But we we did we we had very little time because the whole the whole aim of this triathlon was to get back in time for the Cardiff half. Because that Cardiff was the first time you the, ever. Yeah. yeah, I chose the Cardiff half as my first sporting moment to see if I could still do it after the age of 15, after going through all those years of booze and drugs and smoking, whether I could do it. So I did. And the whole purpose of it was to do this big triathlon and finish at the Cardiff half, do that, and then happy days. And we'd been on tour for four days just before, so there was no time to start (laughs) earlier. Well, and again, (laughs) that's another thing a lot of people won't know, that I didn't train for this triathlon because obviously I was so busy filming and doing the book that I didn't have any time to train. And I remember telling Dale, and I was like, Dale, I, I said, I, I've got to train. I, I went on tour. And I think you and me went, we didn't chicken out, did we? We, were, we went all no. out <laughs> partying until six in the morning. Uh, but, you know, when you're, when you're on tour, you're on tour, so let's do it properly. And, yeah, it was because we only had 14 days. So I thought I was going to suffer, but I, I really surprised myself. And uh, we, I was doing really good time. And I thought, right, because we weren't going to take in Anglesey and Hollyhead. You weren't originally. No, right, because of the time frame. Yeah, and I yeah. thought, well, I really want to do Anglesey and Hollyhead because that's Wales. You know, even though it's an island, it's still Wales. And mentally in my head, I, if I left it out, I wouldn't be able to, I, I, yeah, I couldn't yeah, handle yeah. it. <laughs> so I was doing good time. And I went, right, I'm doing it. So I literally just went from Aberystwyth, and I went, right, this is the day I'm just going to go from Aberystwyth to the whole of... And that day was... Whoa, that was a tough day in the saddle, that was. But it was good, we did it. Um, well, dude, you must be incredibly proud of yourself. You should be. I know you are. And yeah. um, it's been a real joy yeah, getting to know... We've only known each other a year, which blows my mind. Like, I think when you go on tour with people, you get closer, faster than usual... Um, and because of all the behind the scenes, like planning stuff, and we're always doing these little videos to promote them and stuff. But it's been a very fulfilling process getting to know you and become friends mm. with you and seeing the guy who you really are and getting to know you. And I've loved it. Cheers, it's man. been a good ride. Nice and broke. Um, been, it, it has been a good ride, hasn't it? It's been a good ride. We've had some good nights out there. <laughs> <laughs> and the shows, oh. we should say as well, we have three more shows um, in the new year, which we've sort of crammed in around all oh, the yeah, crazy. Yeah promo which you're going to be doing for all these exciting things which are taking off but uh, if anybody listening to this does want to come down and check out the 15 years of dirty sanchez live spoken word show there are three more chances to do so um we're going to be in leeds at the key club on friday the 22nd of february uh, we're going to be in manchester at the bread shed which is a cool name for a we're actually making bread we're actually going to be doing on stage uh, on saturday the <laughs> 23rd and then Ponty Preed so the la- we're going to end it in Wales Ponty um, we had such a good show in Cardiff didn't we for yeah, Dayton Stag do that was by far and away without any disrespect to all the other towns who've all been great but the, the Cardiff show back in July was insane um, and so we thought we'd end the whole thing in Wales uh, on the 19th of April which is a Friday night at the Ponty Preed Money Arts Centre so um, you can get your tickets from dirtysanchez.co.uk and um, yeah, it's basically a, well, it's a two-part show, isn't it? Part one is the the story of Sanchez where we do kind of like what I did with the podcast with you and Dave, but we go 
into a lot more detail, tell a lot more stories, and we've got loads of unseen clips as well. And then part two is the audience Q&A, where every, well, every night is always different, isn't it? Because the questions are always different. And it allows us to just go anywhere. And that, for me, is almost, it's almost like part one is the hard work, and it's like the show, like a comedy show that we have to try and deliver and make sure that everybody walks away nice and happy. And then after a short interval, I feel like part two is when we could sort of kick back hand over to the audience to take the reins and then just let them take it wherever they want to take it. Remember that question somebody asked in Cardiff? I do. When, when my Mrs. Anne Deaton's Mrs. was in the same room? Who? It was who out of the pair of you has fingered the most girls <laughs> and who's got the best technique? And your missus leapt, leapt up like a flash and screamed out, be careful how you answer this. <laughs> oh, that so that's brilliant. the kind of stuff. I mean, maybe yeah. don't ask that again because that's already been asked, but anything does go. Um, and just finally, before we wrap it up, dude, the book's out, the cooking show's out, the documentary's out. What do you hope to to do and achieve and, and what's on the cards for after all of that hard launch over the next couple of weeks? I imagine it's going to be a extremely busy year, but what well, have like, we got going on? Like I said to you earlier in the car, this is almost like I've got a, I've got a second uh, chomp at the bullet. And Does it feel like that, like it, a second chapter to your career yeah, it, as it, well it, as your life? Completely it does. Like with the Sanchez days, I got the many and I blew it. I blew <laughs> one and a half million up my nose, down my neck, and just went mental with it. But this time, I'm... I'm just going to work, 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 just work my bollocks off, really. And uh, invest, start businesses. And basically, the main aim, really, at the end of it all, is to buy a villa in Mallorca for me, Lemmy, and, and Kira, and live the rest of my days swimming, cycling, and running in the sun with Kira chasing after me, going, If you go fucking cycling again, I'm going to fucking eat you. <laughs> I can picture it now, and I can't wait to come over and visit. Yeah, that's the plan. Good times. All right, my brother. Good luck with everything. Cheers, man. Merry Christmas. Thank you for a killer year, dude, and here's to 2019. Thank you, everybody. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.